without dropping it. Go all the way to the corner, touch the wall, and come back. There's going to be three teams. So I need six boys, six girls. One boy, two, three, go ahead. Two, three, four. Yep, there you go. One more boy. Come on, one more boy. Come on, big guy. Come on. Two, there you go, there you go, two. Six. Come on. You got up, you look like you're gonna come. I need one more boy. There's no girls. Come on, I need six girls. Come on, Steph. Oh, my bad, I'm sorry. Six boys and six girls. Let's get six girls over here. Come on. I still need one more boy over there. <laughs> Alright, but wait, we need I'm not that good at math. Okay, so look. Stand, stand next to a partner. Let's get it. How about you guys come right here? Hey, boys. Let's start you guys right here in the middle. So you're back to back. Let's demonstrate real quick. So everybody can watch. Let's go back to back. All right. They're going to walk, and you're going to touch that wall and come back. But if the if the balloon falls, you stop and put it back. Let's demonstrate real quick. Really quick. Bring it down. Lower, lower. Like that, there it is. All right, don't pop it. I got the other way. So their job is to look, go all the way around. Keep going, keep going. Hey, look, girls and guys, so you're going to understand. Touch the wall, and then you come back and give it to the next group. That's all right. Hey, clap for they demonstrated. Clap, they demonstrated. Girls and guys, do you guys understand? It's going to be groups of two, so when you come back, you tag the next person in. So you want to be the first one up? You look excited. Hey, you go over here. Boy and boy, girl, girl. You guys touch that wall. You guys will touch that wall right by the painting, okay? And then come back and tag the next two people in. No, just like that. But if it falls, you have to pick it up when we're back where you're at. Alright. Ready? Set. Go. Yeah, you gotta come back. Don't drop it. Oh, what are you doing, Jeremiah? It's not a basketball game. This guy dove it across. Give it to the next one right here, all the way in the front, in the front. Tag him in. Go. Back it out of the way. You two girls, go. Go, go. Hey, cheer him on. Come on, cheer him on. There you go. All right, next to girl. Hey, cheer him on. Let's go. Come on, Alec. All right, hey, it's the last leg of the race. Last leg of the race. Go, go, boys. Come on, Brian, make us guys look good. Don't fall, Stephanie, don't fall. Hey, cheer him on, you have to ask, last leg. 
Come on, Brian. I thought you played soccer. Guys, crawling. Hey, clap it up. Come on, they're almost done. Clap it up. Oh, man, the girls are going to beat us. You got to come back over here. Come back over here. All right. Hey, we got a winner. Come on, boys. Hurry up. Hey, clap it up for everyone who participated. Clap, clap. Let's go. So bring your friends. Pack this place out for Jesus. Amen. We want to see our city changed, our high schools changed for Jesus. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a discipleship strategy, and a goal. Our vision is to love God and love people. And the way we do that, our strategy to do that, is to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to Jesus. And one awesome way that we connect with you guys, you know it, scream it out, life groups, okay? Guys, we want you to come on out to life groups every third Saturday of the month. We just finished up a quarter, some awesome times, but now the weather's changing. It's getting a little bit warmer. And we, I know, like, right now it's a little, like, we don't know how it's going to be. So in April, we're actually doing, well, I'm going to keep it a secret until we have everything ready to show you. But for this next quarter, we have some really fun things planned out. Awesome, awesome things. So get ready. Block off the third calendar of, uh, or I'm sorry. Whoa. Okay, block off the third Saturday of every month. Make it a point to come out. Call off work. Tell them you have somewhere to be because you guys need to make time to fellowship. Amen. How do you guys like to have a good time? I know I do, and I want to have a fun time with all of you guys. I want you guys to come on out, make that a priority. Another one, another part of our strategy is to mentor you. And a special way that we do that here at Metro Praise is through the 101 and the 201. Anyone in the 101 or 201, raise your hands. We are all about mentorship and making disciples. So once you make that commitment to Jesus, you go through the 101, one-on-one with the leader. And then we want to mentor you to raise you up, to defend the faith, to know Jesus more, how to live it out, how to overcome these the strongholds in your life. Amen? We want to mentor you so that we can send you out. Everyone go like this. I'm, not, I'm waiting for everybody to do this send you out. We want to send you out to be disciples that make disciples. That's what we are about. Connect, mentor, send. Say it with me. Connect, mentor, send. Awesome. All right. So we, we want to connect, mentor, and send so much that we have that we meet our goal one day of 100,000 disciples here in Chicago with 50 churches in the city and 500 around the world. If you believe it, say amen. Amen, amen. All right, stand with me, please. We are going to talk about offering right now. I can get the bucket. That's perfect. Thank you, Adam. You're on it. On it, on it, on it. 
I'll write a tithe is 10% of whatever you make. You make $100, you give $10 to the, as your tithe to the offering, to the church that you attend faithfully. That is your tithe. After that, if you decide to give some amount of money, we are, God also has to give us an offering. We give an offering unto the Lord, let's give it freely. It's a, whatever amount, it's not a set amount, it's an amount that you decide between you and the Lord. It could be $5, it could be $100, it does not matter. But it's an amount that you give to further God's kingdom. And one special way that we give here at Metro Praise is we have a um, trip. We're going to the Philippines. Our pastors, we're going to the Philippines, and we're giving to support that. So if you want to give to missions specifically for the Philippines, designate that money specifically for the Philippines and grab an envelope in the back and write, this is for the Philippines. Heck, if you want to go to the Philippines, you let me know, okay? You want to go on a mission trip. Um, Amen. Yeah, we need to send people out. All right, so we have an example of a tithe. What is 10% of $1,098? Brian, hold on, everybody. Brian's ready. So it's $100? 10% of $1,098. 10%. All right, Alec, school us. Is it a hundred and nine dollars and eight cents? How about eighty cents? Eighty cents. Woo! Good job, good job. The trick is, guys, you just move the decimal point. That's it. Just whoop, whoop. Everyone go whoop, whoop. All right, that's all. When you're on that math test, it goes, what's ten percent? You go whoop. <laughs> anyway, moving on. All right, let's say this together on the count of three. Acts 20, 35, one, oh, okay, how about that? Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, amen. Let's pray, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Lord, thank you so much that you bless us, that we have the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom, to be called heirs and heiresses of, of your kingdom, Lord God, of the one true God. We thank you for your truth in this place that is changing us, God, from the inside out. We thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you're doing, God, in each of us, from the youngest to the oldest. Lord Jesus, we ask that you bless this offering, that you would use it to further your kingdom, that you break the strongholds in everyone's life in there and break the heart of greed in this place, God, that people would freely give not only their money but their lives into you, Lord Jesus. We just ask that you have your way. Anoint the worship, anoint the word. Speak through and to Pastor Adam. Tonight, oh God, I ask that every heart would be changed. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, guys, come on up as you give. The bucket's up here. All right, guys, we're getting ready for a time of worship, so come on up to the front. Them I want a heater cause the streets is finna heat up Six million ways to die, choose ten And if he don't die then he probably do him again A passionate catastrophe, the genocidal blasphemy No respect for humanity, they resort to insanity Head bang on the glass, call it window pane J Jumping out the window, trying to get my frame Through the frame, close range when he point I just blank out Feel my heart sank when the bang 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 out 
now you got your thing out. You take life, you give it. You took his life away, but you gave yours up to the system. No one that listens, no reason for living. We brought the lie, we can't be forgiven for all our sinning. Killing is not religion, services in a prison. Ignorance got a slave, and our name is in the mentions. That's what too. Can y'all hear me out there? Amen, amen, amen. This first song we sang last week in a conference. And if you guys weren't here, or if you guys were here last week, we had it's so important for you guys to know truth because there is a truth out there, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And we had a wonderful conference at last bringing it down and preaching, amen. And um, this song we sang it. And it's talking about the light will shine. Somebody say, actually, look to your neighbor. Look him right in the eye. Look him in the left eye. Okay, look, look him in the left eye and say, light will shine. <laughs> and if they really invaded your personal space, just push them away. Because we didn't say get up all close. But, amen, we believe that God's light will shine in this place. As we sing these songs, man, literally God's power and grace, love and truth comes into these moments. And, he really does encourage us and lifts us up as believers. So we're going to sing this out. Y'all ready? One, two, three. We sing. Salvation rise as we sing of your freedom. We leave the past behind as we look to your kingdom. The bridge, you're a great divide between our hearts and your glory. And our shame dissolves in the depths of your mercy. Sing, we are devoted. Yes, we are devoted. Oh, 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 oh. We are devoted to you. For your light will shine in the darkness. Your light will shine in the dark, in the dark. Oh, we are We fill the open skies with the sound of your praises. And our future lies in the hope of our Savior. For say we are devoted. Yes, we are devoted. Oh, 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 oh. We are devoted to Shine in the dark, in the dark 
cross everyone and at the cross you
cross I look, and to the cross I look, and to the cross I cling. Of this suffering I do drink, and of his work I do sing. For only my Savior, I'm both bruised and crushed. God is just at the cross, and at the cross you reckon me, you draw me gently to my knees, and I am lost for priceless gift and what a priceless gift and undeserving life come on and have I been given come on would you raise your hands with me and sing it through Christ crucified oh come on sing Paul At the cross, and at the cross, you beckon me, draw me gently to my knees, and I am lost for words, so lost in love, I am sweetly broken. One more time at the cross, and at the cross you draw me gently, Lord, to my knees, and I am so lost in love, and I am broken, Lost 
Come and sing that one more time. What a priceless gift. What a priceless gift. And undeserving life. Have I been given through Christ crucified? Come on, sing. You called me out of death. And you called me out of death. And you called me into life. I was under your wrath Oh, through the cross I'm reconciled At the cross And at the cross you Reckon me Draw me gently To my knees Come on, if you're able to, would you with me come to your knees? Come on. As we sing this song, let it be more than just words. Let it be an act of worship. Come on, we come to our knees because he's God. And coming to your knees is a sign of surrender. It's a sign of honor. And we give that to you, Jesus, because you're alive, because you've given us to your life, because you're so good to us. Come on. Would you right now just lift your voice, come on, and begin to worship him. Come on, you're so worthy, God. I'll come to my knees for you, Lord. I lift you up, Jesus. You saved me from my sin. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Come on, give him honor. Give him praise. You're so worthy, God. You're bigger than everything, Lord. Oh, we sing it out. You have to you. You me. Draw me
hallelujah. We just worship you, Jesus, just in an attitude of worship. This next song is called, There Is No Place I'd Rather Be. And in Psalm 1611, it says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This next song is going to talk about there's nothing like being in the presence of God. There's nothing like feeling his presence, feeling his love, because he's real and he's in this place. And I want to tell you right now, if your heart is searching for God and you want the presence of God, he will fill you with his presence. He will fill you with his joy that satisfies. No other man, no other woman can love you the way that God loves you and fill you with that joy. I just want to lift you guys up, and I just want to encourage you just to go after God right now. Hallelujah, Lord. I lift up every student here, oh God, and I bind every distraction right now in the name of Jesus, God. And I ask, Lord, that your love would be revealed to them in their hearts, God, that it would be real to them, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love. Come on, you tell them there's no place. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love. One more time, there's no place. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. Here in your love. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Cause I want more of you, God. Cause I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. And I want more of you, God. Come on, as we get ready to sing this song again, I want you to close your eyes, everybody in this place. Come on, so that there's no distractions. Come on. And I want you to sing this song like you're singing it directly to Jesus. Come on, there's no more wishing, no more hoping. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is God. Come on, and we can sing this to God today, here tonight. So I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine, come on, that Jesus is right in front of you. And I want you to sing it. Come on, there's no place. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. Than here in your love. Come on and tell Jesus there's no place. There's no place I would rather be. No Set a fire. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Oh, come on, Jesus, I want set a fire. 
I want to me, I want to know what it means to be sold out for you. I want to know what it means, oh Lord, to give it all, to give it all. I want to know what it means to trust wholeheartedly in you, in your ways. Because your ways, oh Lord, are better than my ways. Your ways are better than my ways. Your plans are more perfect than my plans. Oh, you see everything I don't see. It's why I worship, Lord. It's why I praise you, God. Your ways are better than my ways. Your plans are so much higher than my plans. Your thoughts are so much greater than my thoughts. Teach me to trust. Teach me to trust. Yeah, you teach me to trust. Wholeheartedly, God. Both feet in, both feet in, not looking back. I want to trust like that, God. I want to trust like that. I want to believe to your word like that, God. Oh, Lord. I want to trust and believe, oh God, that every problem, that every problem pales in comparison to your faithfulness, oh God. Every problem, everything against me pales in comparison to you, Jesus. Yes, oh God. Come on, do you have problems in this place? Does anybody in this place have some issues, have some things in their life? And you say, man, this is really big. I wish I had someone to go in with me. I wish I had someone to talk to. I wish someone could understand what I'm going through. Come on, Jesus is here today. Come on, Jesus is here right now. Come on, why don't you just begin to open up your heart and begin to lay your burden down on Jesus. Come on, he's here today. Maybe you're going through things that you're embarrassed to talk about. Maybe you're going through things that no one else knows about, but maybe you and a few others. Come on, Jesus is here today. He doesn't come and bring shame. Come on, when he comes and he brings his love, he brings his joy. Come on, he brings his hope. He brings his peace in a situation. So right now, God, we come on behalf of all those, God, who are lifting their hearts, lifting their concerns, lifting their burdens to you, God. And we say, Lord, come and meet their needs. Come and cover them, Lord, in your faithfulness. Come and cover them in your promises. God, if they're going through hurts right now, God, we ask for peace. We ask for love to cover them. God, if they're dealing with trust issues, God, Lord, we pray, God, that you would give them a boldness to stand firm on your word tonight. Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah.
God, in the same spirit we come for you tonight, God. We thank you for these times of worship, God. We thank you that you speak to us. We thank you, God, that you have our back no matter what, that we can trust wholeheartedly in you, God. That, God, we can trust wholeheartedly, God, and we can step forward in what you have for us. That, God, that we don't have to sacrifice being bold, being passionate because of the things in our life, God. But how much more, God, if we seek your kingdom first, Lord, all these things will be added unto us. So, God, Lord, we come here today, God, that you would help us to keep us bold and keep us passionate for your name, Jesus. That we wouldn't sacrifice in our time of devotion, in our time of worship, because we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. Jesus, you died on a cross. You already carried it, God. So we come to you. We worship you. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everyone said amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on and greet your neighbor and begin to make your way back to the first and second row. Welcome to Elevate. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord here tonight? Hallelujah. Amen. I, I'm going back to old school. Um, you know, I have the iPad and generally I do my notes there, but I went back to old school, writing it down. Yeah, you see me, right? Bring it back to my SUM days when I was in Bible college. And I told Brother Adam, you know, I left my notes in the back. I said, hey, listen, these are my notes, you know, to prepare what God has given to me. Don't look at them or the Lord will strike you down. And so as he's bringing everything up here, these notes were down, face down. I said, you didn't look at them, right? He's like, no, I can see you're still alive, so I, I know you're telling the truth. <laughs> Man, <laughs> some of the guys got to read the Bible, understand being struck down and everything and, and crazy stuff that God is doing. But, you know, God did strike people down for lying. Isn't that crazy? And that's how crazy when the church was, like, starting and God was moving powerfully. You're talking about demons being casted out. You're talking about, like, people who were paralyzed, lame, getting up. We're talking about mass salvations, people getting saved by the hundreds, by the thousands. I mean, it starts off where people were added to the number. And as you keep on reading the book of Acts, it talks about they were multiplying. So imagine next week the group of people that we see here gets multiplied because Jesus is changing lives and people are getting saved. That the rest of this entire middle section gets filled. And imagine that the next week after that it multiplies and we fill out this entire section. And the week after that, people are standing up, sitting on the floor. Isn't that crazy? That's what it was happening because God was doing it. God was moving. You knew God was real. There wasn't no fake like I'm going to wear a Christian. I'm going to wear like a chain around my neck and prove I'm a Christian. That's how Christian I am. It was it was basically I'm going after Jesus and the Holy Spirit was real. There was no question about it. And there was a situation where it happened where the people were coming together. And the long story short, um, 
this man and a woman, they came and they sold their property and they're going to give it to the church and they kept some for themselves. And then they stand before the disciples and they say, man, you know what? Disciples asked them, is this everything that you guys made off of the houses? Did you keep anything? And they said, no. And because the man lied, God struck him dead. What? I would have been dead like when I was young. Like, you know, if you tell a lie, like that's how serious God was. And he still is. Put you the, the fear of God in your life. Stop lying. It's not good. But I just think about it. They were in the church. This is when the church was moving great and, and awesome. The first the church first started, and people were dying because they were lying. We probably wouldn't be alive today. I probably, you know, not even me. I, there's no one preaching be quiet. If if that was the case for all of us, if we ever told a lie, we would be struck dead. But praise God. God has grace. Amen. <laughs> God is loving and God is good. And today I wanted to talk to you about coming correct. Somebody say come correct. Come correct. And, you know, um, it's this has been in my heart um, for a while and, and wanting to preach because, you know, we live in times, guys, where, you know, it's evil. Okay, Th- there's no there's no sugarcoating that we live in a times right now where the message of the gospel is is really is really frowned upon. It's really, um, you know, hated. Jesus is hated. You know, sometimes we make a cue like, oh, I love Jesus. He loves the entire world. People hate Jesus. They do. And here's the the thing. And a lot of times people's reaction towards Jesus, maybe they get an idea of what church is. Or maybe they know what church is and they don't want it. Maybe they know who Jesus is and they don't want him. People hate Jesus. and And this sermon's about you know, coming correct to God and, and us as a people, if you're here today, you know, I, I'm maybe maybe you're here saying, you know what, maybe I don't really love Jesus. But for the majority of us, we come here because we're saying, man, I love Jesus. Amen. I love Jesus. And that's that shouldn't be uh, you shouldn't be ashamed to say that. You know, you shouldn't be afraid to say that. I love Jesus. We're all going to say that on the count of three. One, two, three. I love Jesus. Then that's a normal thing. That's a normal thing. But here's the thing. Um. When we come to Jesus, a lot of the times our attitude and, and the way we come to God is, is just wrong. And we don't have a solid theology of how we come to Christ. And, and what I'm not saying is now we're going to have to dress up into suits and ties and whenever we come to church. You have to, you know, like dress like you're like going to a wedding or something. Or whenever you pray, you always have to put like uh, you know, like you always got to make it look like you're really sad and you always have to come to your knees when you're praying. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to even say like you have to do it like this. If you pray standing up with your hands raised, that's good. If you pray walking back and forth, that's okay. If you pray on your knees or sitting down, that's fine. One thing I would tell you not to pray is pray in your bed because a lot of times you'll start off praying and you'll fall asleep. Sure far away. I used to do that in Bible college. I used to say, man, I'm going to pray. I haven't prayed. So I'm before I was like, dear Lord, I thank you for all that. Don't pray in your bed. You will fall asleep. I promise you. Um, and some of you guys do that. You know, I'm telling on myself. Pray. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but we need to come correct to God. God is not like your buddy, buddy. You know, I have this one inside joke for some of the guys. You know, when, when I come to Brother Steve, I have this personal relationship with Brother Steve. He's a friend of mine. And whenever I see Brother Steve, and this is, this is not weird. This is not like gay. I, I give Brother Steve a slap on the butt. I mean, back when I was in when I was in college, I had a clap. I got a clap for that. You know, not college, but back in high school, when you did well, I mean, you just get, hey, good job, and that's my way. Like, hey, man, Steve, brother Steve, good job, brother. <laughs> you know, it'd be weird if we're just like, 
hanging out all the time, I keep on slapping him. Then he'd have to question that, like, hey, hey, brother, we're just hanging out. I'm not doing anything good. I mean, no, it's just slap me in the butt. But, you know, Jesus, we're not going to come up to Jesus and give Jesus a pat on the butt, like, hey, what's up? You know, that's not going to happen. Funny story. One time, you know, Pastor Joe, I respect my pastor. I love my pastor. You know, he's a leader of my life, a spiritual father. Um, and then one time he comes up and he's like, hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, man, I'm good. And go get him. And I was walking into the, the sanctuary for worship. And he goes, and he slaps him. I'm like, oh, and I felt loved. And then he had to turn around and walked away. And I go right behind him. Don't do this. I go right behind him. I go, and I get him. And then after I did it, I felt conviction of the Lord. It's like, oh, my gosh. He's probably going to rebuke me. I just sinned. <laughs> I just sinned. And, I'm, and as he, as he just, he turns around with this look of shock, and he has a smile on his face. And I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. I, I didn't, I'm, I'm sorry, Pastor. I didn't mean to slap you on the butt. I know that's disrespectful. He's like, no, that's okay. That's okay. Don't, don't, don't get worried. I mean, it's cool. Don't worry. I'm like, cool. I just had to get that out there because I was carrying that the entire time. Only me and him knew, so I had to confess to you guys. My hands are clean. Jesus is not your buddy, buddy, where you're coming behind you, slapping him on the butt. Um, Jesus is not that kind of person where you're just, like, playing Xbox all the time. Jesus is God. And, and we, have to, we have to understand that. And we have to know that. You know, there's a lot of shirts and a lot of hats that are out there. Jesus is my homeboy. He's your God. He's your Savior. And sometimes I take issue with that, even though the Bible does say he's our friend. He calls us friend, right? We have to understand the way we worship God and the way we treat God is so much more different than just buddy, buddy, slap him on Jesus and like, hey, just what's up? Because what happens is we don't really fully honor, worship God how he's supposed to be honored and worshiped. And then it somehow reflects into our lives. Because what you believe, how you see Jesus, you will live it out. And the Bible says we need to be like Jesus, Okay, so we're talking about coming correct, and I want you to open up your Bibles to Luke 18. Luke 18, we're going to start in verse 9. If you all brought your Bibles, I'm so happy that you did. If you didn't, you know, I'm, we're fortunate we have it on the screen for you guys, but I really want to encourage everyone here to bring a Bible, whether it's your iPad, your iPhone, whether it's your Android, whatever you have. Bring it. If you have the, the real deal, if you have the actual book, praise God. I actually prefer this, even though I have my iPad, because you're not going to go up to a person who's demon-possessed and be like, in the name of Jesus, with your iPad, be free, you know? you got Angry Bird on there. Angry Bird pops up, starts playing. Stop, stop. Wrong app. <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> All right, Luke 18, and we're in verse 9. If you're there, say I'm there. You're there. Okay, here we go. Luke 18, verse 9, it says this, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down at everyone else, Jesus told them this parable. Stop. Okay, let's, what's going on? Jesus is teaching, okay, and he's telling this parable. And I wanted you guys to understand what we're reading so you're not lost, confused. The actual definition of a parable is this, a short allegorical story designed to illustrate or teach some truth, religious principle, or moral lesson. In other words, it's an analogy. Jesus has given them this story because he wants to break it down because he wants them to teach them this truth, a religious truth, this moral lesson, okay? And, and, and Jesus is specific in what he's saying. 
And so here is Jesus talking before the people, and we're reading God's word, and God's word is applicable for us today, so we can pretend, we can know, actually, that Jesus wants this for us, amen? So let's read it. Luke 18, we'll start in verse 9 again. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. That's one prayer. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we'll stop there. There are two people in this parable that Jesus is telling the people, two different people. There is a Pharisee and a tax collector. A Pharisee was the religious people of the day. They were the people that knew the Bible, the Old Testament verbatim. I mean, these people were very intellectual. They were very knowledgeable, and they were very spiritual. You guys do that with me. Go like this. Go spiritual. They were very spiritual. You know those people? They're very spiritual. They got to pray about everything, about what cereal they want to eat, Lucky Charms or Frosted Flakes. Dear Lord, show me the way. Lucky Charms it is. Hallelujah. You know, you got to pray to what? Should I wear the green shirt or the blue shirt? Jesus, bless me in all my ways. No answer. I'm just, I'm not wearing a shirt. <laughs> you know, people get so weird. But, you know, they're spiritual. And when you look at the Pharisees, and if you read about them, I mean, these people were very spiritual. You look all in their, in their lives. But actually, in reality, you find Jesus rebuking them the most. Jesus was rebuking these spiritual people. These people who knew the you know, Old Testament by memory. A Pharisee, self-righteous, prideful, conceited, a hypocrite. And this tax collector. Tax collectors in the day, you were a tax collector, you were bad news. You were like the plague. If people knew you were coming into town, they would try to avoid you. They would hate when they would see you. You were hated by everyone, even the little kids. When they'd see you, they'd point at you and just whisper, psh, 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 and they know you're talking about you. You were a tax collector. You had no friends unless you were in your little tax collecting buddies. Because you guys were what? Thieves, swindlers, corrupt, dishonest. Two people that are praying in this situation, and Jesus is telling this story. Two different people, two people that had sin in their life. And this was their prayer. One of them, a Pharisee, stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Let's just start off a prayer like that. God, I thank you that I'm not like Tony. Praise God. I think that I'm not like Tony because, you know what, um, and you know, you start off like that. That's really wrong. God, I thank you that I'm not like uh, Adam. He says, look, look, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Here he is. He sees the tax. God, I thank you that I'm not like that guy. Imagine the other guy in the back. He's going up for prayer. He's just like, man, you feel more bad. Like, I'm, 
Do I even pray? Like, he even sees it. <laughs> or even like this tax collector, I fast twice. He's boasting in himself. Fasting is, is, is what, what people do to consecrate themselves before God. When you fast back in the day, they would basically not eat. They would skip a meal and instead pray. They would say, man, you know what? Instead of eating, I'm going, not going to eat. Deny my body eating, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to train my body to go after God, even when I don't desire, even when my body is telling me, feed me. And you know, your stomach starts talking to you. It's crazy. Like, literally, I can think I can make out sentences when I haven't eaten in a while. What are you doing? It's crazy. It's just like, did I just hear that? Like, for real. But literally, that's what he was saying. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Oh, look at what I do. Look at me, God. I'm not like that person full of sin. I fast twice a week and I give my tithe. Look at me. A sinner. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast. Just get that picture. He's at a distance. He probably is walking, and here's that Pharisee praying, and the Pharisee has his eyes open looking at who's looking at him. Oh, God, thank you, God, for making me awesome and special. I'm not like that tax collector. And he's just walking by, and he's, and he's going, and he's walking. And the Bible says that he goes, he goes at a distance, and he doesn't even look up to heaven. It begins to happen that, that guilt begins to come up, and he knows that he's wrong. The Bible says he beat his chest. You know? Ah, oh, like he's frustrated. He's, he's, he's done with it. And he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's what he says. Now, my question to you is this. Who came correct? You see, if you look towards the attitude of the heart, we're not going to dis- distinguish them between what they do, okay? Because in the outside, what may seem to do, the Pharisee would seem like a better choice, like who's better, who came correct? Well, the Pharisee does more. He knows more Bible verses than the tax collector. Man, the Pharisee, you know, he's quoting scripture. He's, he's praying. The Pharisee seems like he's doing more good things. So we can't judge them by what they've done because even when you read the Bible and the stories about the Pharisees, they're wrong. They've missed it. They're looking at the Son of God, and they're the ones that are supposed to tell the people, like, hey, we're supposed to go after God, and they miss Jesus completely. And, and here they are, sinners because of their own, you know, fault. Sinners because not acknowledging Jesus and their pride and, and their hypocrisy, self-righteousness. And here's this tax collector, knowing he's wrong. And he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The attitude of the heart. You know, Matthew 12, 34b says this. It says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Matthew, tw- Matthew 12, verse 34, if you're taking notes. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And you see these two men. You see, let me ask you this question. Who can, who can judge the heart? Jesus, God. You see, it's pretty easy to, to judge, like, whether someone's happy or not. You know, now that I have a fiancé, I love saying that. Praise God. Even before, it's like you're just, like, in that, like, purgatory, like, she's my girlfriend and... You know, who is this? My girlfriend, you know, we're dating. That's my fiance. 
Praise the Lord. She's over there back in the room. Hey, yeah. You know, and here's, here's the beautiful thing. I forgot where I was going with that. Thanks, love. <laughs> Completely forgot. There goes the Holy Spirit. There he goes. He's flying away. What was I saying? Attitude of the house of my strength is the house of the Lord. Here, here we go. <laughs> Praise God. Being in a relationship, in a close relationship, we have fiance, soon to get married, you know. Um, I, can, I know by looking at her face when she's mad or upset. Or at least I think I know. I'm getting better at it. But you know, okay, and, and Steve and Carmen, they're, they're married. They have years under their belt. They're pros, you know. You know, <laughs> you know when your, your significant other is upset. You can tell by their face, you know. There are times where, like, you know, I'm just in the car, and, and I look over, and, and, you know, Pastor Christina's had a long day, and I'm just looking at her, and I can just see it on her face. And I'm just like, oh, man, you know, she's probably had a long day. You know, she probably, you know, did a lie and she wasn't recognized or whatever may happen. And she's having a long day. And, and I want I don't want her to feel loved. And, and I notice these things. You can see it. And a lot of times when you have friends or family, you know, when they're having a bad day, you can tell if they're happy. You know, you never go up to someone and say, man, I'm really happy. This is my happy face. No, this is weird. You don't do that. Like when you're happy, you're laughing like this guy. Just look at him. Look at him. He's not even he's laughing, but you can't hear it. That's how happy he is. <laughs> He's <laughs> and then it comes up. Uh, <laughs> praise God for you, brother. See, you, when people, you can see it on their faces. That's my point. That's what I'm going with with that. You can see it on their faces. But the heart. Who can see the heart? We're not talking about that organ that's, that's going in and juicing out blood and it's going in one arteries. and you know, Not the heart. But the heart is, 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 is symbolic of our, our lives, who we are. Who judges the heart? It's certainly not us. We can't be the judge of the heart. Sure, we can judge, like, people's actions, what they've done. Like, if you kill somebody, that's wrong. I don't have to think, I don't think that's good. That's wrong. You, you, there's, there's penalties, there's laws for that. And when you talk about the heart, and these two men, they, the way they come before God, God judges the heart. Let's open up our Bibles to Psalm 16, verse 5, really quickly. Psalm 16, verse 5, and it's not pronounced psalm, and it's not psalms, because there's no S, it's psalm. I forgive you. <laughs> psalm 16, 5. Psalm 16, 5, it says this, Lord, you alone are my portion in, well, that's not it. Was it Psalm 16.5? Was it Proverbs or Psalm? Oops. Let's try Proverbs. 16.5. This happens, guys. It's when you go old school. Yep, Proverbs. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's one of those Ps. Proverbs 16.5, it says this. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Who judges the heart? The Lord, God. He judges everyone's heart, not just Christians. <laughs> he judges everyone's heart. Well, I haven't been in church long enough for God to judge me, so I need to be coming to church in order for him to have like a rap sheet on me, for him to know me. That's not how it works. God judges your heart. He says, the Lord detests all the proud. Somebody say proud. 
Oh, the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. If you have a proud heart, you will not go unpunished. God says that, and he bets it. I mean, he, get, he puts his whole word into it. You're not going to go unpunished. You see, the attitude of the heart, when we look at the attitude of the heart, we begin to understand and who's honoring God. Because God gets glory and honor when people come and they repent of their sin, right? It's a good thing when we come and we make mistakes, we say sorry. God, I'm sorry. I messed up. God, forgive me. Not like, oh, I'll make a mistake. He understands. God gets glory when you come back to him and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. That brings God glory. Let me ask you this question. Going back to the Pharisee and the tax collector. Who honored God? Let's read in verse 14 from Matthew 8. I'm sorry, from Luke 18. There's that one verse at the end there that I want to read to you. Luke 18 and verse 14. Who honored God? Jesus says, I'll tell you that this man rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all, those who's, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all those who humble, somebody say humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Be exalted by who? Jesus, God. Who honored God? Both sinners Who's walking away justified? Who's walking away right? You know, and a lot of the times in our relationships, you know, you know, there's always a sense of pride. And the, the ugly thing about pride, it's easier to notice it in somebody else before you can notice it in yourself. It's the crazy and the ugly thing about pride. Oh, that person's in pride. And you yourself got your own. I'm, I'm so serious. When you get saved, you, the externals go. You know, when you give your life to God, you say, God, that's it. Forget it. I'm, I'm sold out for you. And you start noticing there's things in your behavior that changes. You know, for example, you stop swearing, right? You, ha- you, you stop looking at pornography. You stop, you know, stop gossiping. But one of the things that's hard to notice, sometimes it goes unnoticed, is pride. Because unless someone in your life is close and pointing it out to you, unless the Holy Spirit's convicting you of pride, it's easier for you to see other people in pride and you yourself not know it. Who gets the glory? At the end of the day, we're seeking to be right or justified. If we're seeking to be right or justified by our own means and terms, then that person, you, would have no need of a savior. At the end of the day, if you're living in pride, you're saying, I don't need Jesus, whatever the situation may be. You see, that person picks and chooses what verses of the Bible he'll live by. Let me give you an example. For example, if I come before the Lord and I'm living in pride, there may be verses that convict my heart of something. Whatever it is, whatever God is convicting your heart, whatever, whatever sin of choice that you may be involved in, there may be things in your life that, you know, God says no to. There may be things God's calling you to. Maybe you're not living in sin, but God has called you to do something. And God says it. You put a stamp on it, God said this. And if you say God says this and you don't do that, then guess what, buddy? Guess what, ma'am? You're in sin. And so here's the thing about it. Sometimes when we're living in pride, 
What ends up happening is we'll avoid certain scriptures that bring us conviction, that brings us closer to Jesus, and we'll only stay in the Bible where it only encourages and wants, uh, allows us to do whatever we've been doing from the get-go. We'll never get out of the book of Psalms and get into the book of Romans because, you know, we're too afraid because we want to be blessed. Bless me, Jesus. You know, the book of Psalms is about all these songs and all these things God is blessing his people. And there's some good ones in there, Psalm 23, Psalm 119. And it's talking about the word in 119. And it's talking about in verse, in chapter 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's great. But, you know, when you get to the book of Romans, it talks about the heart. It talks about being saved. And a lot of us, we kind of avoid that. You pick and choose what verses you'll live by. And when we come correct before God, we got to say, man, this whole entire Bible is good to me. This whole entire Bible is for me. I'm not going to pick and choose what I'm, what I'm listening to God. I'm not going to try to, like, command God's voice in my life by never reading the convicting verses or, or staying away from the verses that commands me to go out and make a disciple, go out and, and reach my neighbor for Jesus. I, I'm not going to avoid those things. And instead... We're going to take the entire word and say, God, no, that, that's, that's for me. And who's serving who? You know, when I had this sermon coming correct, I really thought about, you know, who's serving who. And the attitude of the hearts. So when we come to God, it's not like God is our, our, our server, our waiter, you know. Jesus, I need a blessing on the fly. Like right, like yesterday. Where are you? Come on. Come on. Snap. Let's go. Uh, Jesus, hey, listen, um, I'm going through all these different things, and, and come on, you can help me. That's one attitude of the heart. One attitude, attitude of the heart is, God, you're great and you're mighty. There's no one like you. God, I'm going through some things right now. And, Lord, I don't want to lose sight of heaven and what you've called me to. But, Lord, that I ask that you would help me. In the midst of this, through this storm, whatever I'm dealing with right now, that God, you, and there's ways. Who's serving who? What's the focus? What's the priority of your life? Do you serve the one true God or do you serve a created image of God? Do you serve an idea of who God is or do you serve the God of heaven? Because an idea, an image of God does not have authority. All creation bows before Jesus. Get this. Everything in this world created bows before Jesus. Like bends knee, Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. When's the last time you have read the Bible and read that the devil has defeated or bested Jesus? I dare you. First one can find it. I'm going to go ahead and take him out for dinner tonight. You can't find it. You can't find it. When's the last time you read that the devil has bested, has beaded Jesus? Never. He's like a million, bazillion, this is record, victories. He's never lost, undefeated, unquestioned. No one like him, Jesus. Jesus. You see... Demon possessions, you never read in the story of the Bible when Jesus is going out to a demon and, and, and come out of him. I don't want to. <laughs> you don't read that. I'm going to stay. You don't read that nowhere throughout the Bible. 
As a matter of fact, but you see all the, the horrible, the, this, just the, the, the lack of freedom. You see the hurt, the broken, whenever you read about the people who are possessed in the Bible. And this really happened. Demonic spirits, that's real. Just as we believe in the Holy Spirit of God. But when you read those stories, you never end up reading where the demon, Jesus walks away, and Jesus will come back another day, and, and hopefully that one will leave. But they submitted. You see, even the demons come correct before Jesus. They know when Jesus shows up on the spot, they know what to do. They shudder in fear. But how much more so us? When the word of God is presented, when we pray, when we consider fellowship and, and everything that, you know, we do unto service uh, as, as praise and adoration unto the Lord, do we come correct? The attitude of the heart, you know. Coming correct means we're humble before the Lord. We're coming in praise and adoration, coming in faith. And this is the key to come, to come correct before God. It's humility. It's humility. If you ever want to get a tattoo, <laughs> just put, Lord, humble me. That's a good one to start with. Um, because, listen, you're never going to graduate from the school of humility. Hello? Anybody out there? <laughs> you're never going to graduate. like, well, I'm too humble. If, <laughs> if you're saying that, if there's ever a confession, Pastor, I'm too humble right now. This person just needs to repent to me, and they need to get right. It's like, whoa, 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 what's going on? You know? Um, humility is key. When we come to God, God is not a genie. You know, not like that Christina Aguilera song, I'm a genie in a bottle, baby. Gotta rub me the white way, honey. You know what I mean? The genie, that, that's not Jesus. You never find that in the Bible anywhere. John chapter 3, verse 17, I'm a genie in the bottle. You have to rub me the right way, Jesus. You never find it. It's not there. Because God's not a genie. He's a savior. He's a Messiah. He's the promised one. He's, he's the savior of the world. He's a healer. He's a redeemer. And instead of saying, God, what can you do for me? The attitude of the heart when we come before God is, God, what can I do for you? You know, sometimes I think that's one of the problems where we're all so broken and busted and disgusted. Many of the time we're so inwardly focused on, God, what can you do for me? Instead of saying, God, what can I do for you? God, how can I bless you? So many of the times we, it's our own problems, it's our own ideas that get us into trouble. So we're not going to say, God, come and help me make my plans better. No, God, get rid of my plans. God, what do you want me to do? That's coming correct. James 4, 6 says this, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I don't want to be the guy that God resists. You'll never win. I remember one time hanging out at Pastor Joe's house, and this is, this is back in the day. This is when we were first here, and, um, you know, uh, we, we were going to, I wasn't even an SUM. Like, I was going to go to SUM the following year. They're talking about throwback, you know. 
And, and I remember we're sitting down as Pastor Joe's dad and then Pastor Joe and Nancy was there. And they were just all talking to me. And, and I was at that point in time deciding in my heart and my life, what, what's God going to do with me? You know, I have people in my, my life that were falling out of ministry. And, and at that time, people in my life that were, you know, discouraging me to be as radical as I was for Jesus. And, and you know, Brother Jim, Pastor Joe's dad, he, he says, man, you know, what, what does the Bible say? God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And he says like this, like, I, I feel I, I'm, I'm afraid for the person that God resists. It never ends up well. If God's resisting you, it's not a good thing. But he gives grace to the humble. You know, that, that's what I want us to pray for here tonight as, as we can get some music. Um, as you guys can stand to your feet for me, please, we're going we're gonna to close out in prayer. But I, w- I want to draw your attention to this. James 4, 6, it says this. It says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's say on the count of three. One, two, three. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's try that one more time. On the count of three. One, two, three. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let that be our prayer here tonight. God humble me. You know? In relationships. Be gone, Satan. <laughs> That's the devil's leaving, you see? We're all asking for humility. It's like, I gotta go. That's the sound demon leaving. <laughs> God, humble me in my relationships. What does that look like? What would that look like if you go into relationships, arguments, fights, any disagreements that you have, and you go in there with humility? Whoa. How your life, how your arguments, how your family dynamic would change. If you go in there with humility, instead of with the attitude like, I am right, I'm going to prove my point. Where's Jesus in the mix? Relationships. Even with people you don't like. You know, a lot of times we want to consider ourselves spiritual. But how spiritual are you to the person that you like the least? How do you treat them? And you, as you walk by them, you think of them you like, ill well, you know. So when you get saved, you know, you, yeah, you, you stop drinking, you stop smoking, you stop sinning before God. But also in the attitude of the mind and the heart, that changes too. God, humble me. Students, elevate to your parents. Hello. You know, God, humble me before my parents. And that's not a bad thing. The Bible says to honor the Lord. Honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise. Hello? Think about it. Do you know what? I, I can be very honest. In my teen years and even growing up, I was very rebellious to my parents. Even my parents went to church. They were saved. They loved Jesus. Very rebellious. God, humble me. That's not right. That's ugly. That's wrong. And if you defend that part of your life, but you don't understand the relationship that I have with them. If you understood what they said to me or they'd done to me, you'd feel the same way. What does Jesus feel? That's my question. What does Jesus say? Humble yourselves. In school, you know, maybe God's 
I know God has been calling you guys probably to talk to somebody and, and to share your faith. If he hasn't done that, we want to pray specifically for you, and we want to encourage you. And we want to read you the Bible where it says, go and make disciples of all nations. And then you will realize maybe that part of your heart and your mind like, oh, yeah, he wants me to share my faith. But maybe that's that part in your life where we can, where you can say, God, humble me in that, where I don't want to be so proud and, and ignore you. You know, sometimes God can be speaking to us. Can we get a different song? Thank you. I'm just really like to just cry right now. <laughs> like, God, do something great. You know, God, humble me. Man, this world will look so much different if we walk in the humility of, humility of the Lord. You know where it starts? If we come before the Lord humble. Because then that begins to overflow. You know? I, I, I want to share just some, some things. Like, I, I work at an alternative school, and God is, you know, every time I'm preaching, sometimes illustrations come about the things that I'm doing at work. And um, I don't know what to share with you, but, you know, now and then I feel, you know, the Holy Spirit leading me to go ahead and share. And, and there are many times, and the students that I work with, I got 23 of them. They're all mine, and I love them to death. But they come from places where broken families, gangs, drugs, um, and this is normal. You know, for some of us, you know, I mean, if we see a bag of weed, we're like, oh, it's like, oh my gosh, that's, but some of them, they they go home, their parents are smoking up. They go home, some of their parents are ODing, ODing on, on drugs, and it's crazy. And a lot of the times, they come in with issues and problems, and I'm talking about just this past week, this one student, you know, he, I mean, he's going back and forth with me. And I wanted to put him in his place. I kind of wanted to put that pastor card and kind of put that responsible adult card to the side and just let him have it. And as, as he was sharing what, sh- yeah, he was sharing what he what he w- felt about me. <laughs> just, I, I just look at him. It's like, oh, God, God really put it in my heart. It's like, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. But at the same time, don't you respond to him the way he's responding to you. So what I had to do was humble myself because we weren't the only ones in that room. There were other people in that room, you, uh, students, that were listening and they were just looking at what he was saying. But at the end of the day, I pulled him to the side and he had calmed down and I spoke to him. And God really humbled me because I, I really wanted to put that young man in his place and really say some awful things poke at the reason and he goes like no 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 you're there to help you're there to cause change be a difference and and I saw that's how the Lord did it and and to be very honest when you ask God for humility you know he's gonna put you in situations where that can go ahead and be tested praise the Lord for testing amen he's you want humility okay you're gonna go home tonight and you're probably gonna get cursed out or you're something's gonna happen and you're gonna And you're going to react. And God wants you to choose him. God wants you to be like Jesus. So tonight, before we do anything else, I want us to come correct before God. I want us to humble our hearts. You know, in the same way where we come to our knees, you know, as a sign of surrender, as a sign of um, I'm giving it all up. I want us to do that in our hearts. And just think about your heart taking a knee. To Jesus. Actually, what you're really doing is you're opening it up to God. And, and what you're asking God for, I and mean, I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to go ahead and show you in your life where you could use more humility. 
Because no one ever wakes up saying, man, I don't need any more humility. Thank you, Jesus. I'm tapped off. Like, I'm full. No, you're the first one we're praying for. God, humble us. You know? Let's all close our eyes in, in this place as we prepare to pray. God, Lord, we pray here tonight, God, that no one person is exempt for this. But, God, that you would teach us how to be humble. God, in the same way, God, you humbled yourself and you came from heaven. God, you left it all behind. God, you're the example of what it means to be humble. So, God, we ask, Lord, that, God, when we come to you, Lord, that we wouldn't treat you as the buddy and the person who's just like our buddy, buddy, friend, friend, but that we treat you as God. That we'd humble ourselves before you, God, in our lives. That, God, we would surrender it all to you. God, that the attitude of our heart wouldn't be that of pride, wouldn't be that of rejecting you. But, God, that of one that welcomes, one that opens, one that comes and says, praise be to Jesus. Man, I'm wrong, and I don't care that I'm wrong. I just know that Jesus is doing a good thing in my life. God, we pray for that testimony, God, that someone can rejoice knowing that when they come to you and in humility, whatever is going on in their lives, God, if you're launching them into new seasons, God, if, if you're blessing them, God, if you're correcting them, God, that they'll go ahead and accept that. God, that the attitude of the heart will be that of someone who is humble. God, we pray for every heart in this place in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is what I want you guys to do. I want to take the next five minutes, and I want you guys to come up and pray. And I want some of my SUM students to come right behind them and pray with them. We're going to put some music on so that you guys wouldn't be distracted by everyone else praying. But that you guys can come on up here and pray. And so just when Adam puts this away, thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Serving the Lord. Getting credits. Amen. Guys, don't miss this time up. Okay. You know, a lot of the times, a lot of the issues that we have in our life, it all comes back to the point of pride. The Bible talks about that the devil, you know, he was an angel before he was cast down into hell. You know, what was his thing? Pride. So, guys, let's not leave this place and say, man, I'm good. I don't need prayer. I don't need God to humble my heart. Much more you need God to speak to you tonight, to get a hold of you. Amen. And this isn't a sermon where you'll put it in your back pocket and be like, okay, that was a good one. No, this one, it's every day. Praise God. Amen. So right now we're just going to turn off some of the lights here. I'd like to have some of my SUM students come up to the front. And these are our Bible college students. They're in college right now, and they're saying, God, we want you to use us for awesome things. And some of our 201ers as well, just in case we're going to have some more people. Some 201ers. Yeah, Amen. All right, one more time, we're going to pray. I'm going to do a general prayer of dismissal. But listen, listen, listen. I want you guys to come on up here and just keep it real with them. Amen. Amen. Man, I, got, I want God to humble me in this because I, right now I'm arguing with my parents. I'm fighting with them. Man, right now God is really trying to use me to talk to my school, but I'm resisting God. That's pride. So right now, God, we just come before you again. Father, thank you for every heart and soul and mind that was here, God, that heard your word here tonight. Holy Spirit, we pray, we say that you would have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. If that was you here tonight, don't leave without prayer. I want you to come up to one of these leaders, guys with guys and girls with girls. But I want you guys to pray, amen. Come on. Come on, leave your seats, guys. Come on, come on.
Lord Jesus, and I just ask for more and increase. I thank you for the word that was spoken tonight, that it would be sealed in our hearts, God. That it would change us, God, for eternity. Lord Jesus, that we would walk out of this place changed, Lord Jesus. That these students, God, would take this parable, God, take this teaching that you have given us that came straight from your mouth, Jesus. That we would heed to that word, oh God. That we would be, we would be changed, Jesus. And I just ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us to lead us and our hearts to be tender towards your voice, Lord God. Um, do what you do what you do best, God. Show up and show up in our lives this week. Oh yes, Jeff, Lord, just you bless us, God. Protect us, God. Use us in our families and our schools, wherever we go. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Feel free to stay and linger and pray. Talk to a leader. Connect. Also, uh, hang out in the lobby. While, um, let's keep those conversations out in the lobby while people are wrapping up in prayer. Thank you, guys.